Today on CityCast Pittsburgh, this summer has been unseasonably dry here. And that got us wondering, could Pennsylvania get the kind of severe wildfires that we see out west? We got a lot of forest land and it's getting hotter and drier. I'm here with Alan Taylor. He's a Penn State professor of geography and ecology, and he studies fires. It's Monday, August 29th. I'm Morgan Moody, and this is CityCast Pittsburgh. It's great that you can study fire and not be called an arsonist. Um, so what got you into studying this? Well, I, I initially grew up in California, so I saw them all the time. Uh, and I just became really interested in how they can reshape landscapes. You know, a wildfire can completely reshape a landscape and that will last for decades or centuries even. And so understanding, you know, how that happens, I think is really fascinating or why it happens and what factors contribute to it. Does Pennsylvania get wildfires right now? I just kind of think of it as such a damp place. Yeah, it does actually. And um, we've had some fairly big ones uh, historically, uh, thousands of acres. uh, And they happen uh, in some places every year, but compared to somewhere like the Western United States, they happen much less frequently and burn uh, much less area. I guess the area in the East Coast that probably has the largest number of wildfires nearby would be the New Jersey Pine Barrens. That's an area that burns much more frequently. and You can get big fires next to large populations of people, so they are, are pretty concerned about that. But yeah, it can burn here, uh, particularly in the fall and spring. Pittsburgh's had a really, a really hot summer. Um, there have been several weeks without rain. So how much hotter and drier does it have to get for the conditions to kind of be right for wildfires? Yeah, the hotter and drier, the be- the more conducive conditions, that's for sure. Um, and people start most wildfires in Pennsylvania. So, uh, you know, if you have people out there burning, uh, burning trimmings from their garden under those conditions and it's windy, it could certainly get into the uh, into the forest and, and cause a fire. That tends to happen most, however, in the fall and the spring when there's no leaves on the tree. So that's the sort of critical period for fires. But when it's hot and dry, uh, it can certainly catch those leaves on fire. How much of that is um, down to not human error, but like humans contributing to the fires than it is nature. Humans are the major source of ignition. And so uh, if we removed that, uh, fires wouldn't happen much at all because lightning doesn't cause many fires in Pennsylvania because it usually rains when the lightning is occurring. And so it it, it can't spread even if there's a a lightning ignition. Uh, Mm -hmm. And that's very different than uh, the West, for example, where you get dry lightning. Yeah. And uh, the fires can then spread easily. How close do uh, Pennsylvania fires get to residential neighborhoods like they do out West? Like the videos we've seen out there look like people are living on hell. Yeah, it's true. Um, You know, interestingly, uh, Pennsylvania and areas around Pittsburgh and State College and places like that, they're there's been an increase in the number of people who live uh, in the interface between where forest and uh, suburbs uh, interface. 
And so there is a, a lot of areas in Pennsylvania where you know fire could enter neighborhoods or rural areas, and so uh, it's 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 a it's a potential increasing concern in Pennsylvania because there's more and more people living next to, to vegetation that can burn. But it uh, you know the area is not flammable enough to have it sort of be what you see on television in California, for example. Are you worried about that happening in cities like Pittsburgh or Philadelphia? Um, certainly in the rural areas, I think people uh, may be living out there who don't know much about fire and how they could um, keep the vegetation around their house in a, in a condition that would make it so uh, it would be less flammable or, or just paying attention to it. Um, and so people who live in those interface areas where there's forest next to them uh, just should be aware that uh, you know it's not a benign environment in terms of fire. When you study fires, can fire ever be a good thing? Absolutely. Uh, we've just been doing some work with the Pennsylvania Game Commission who is using prescribed fire uh, in the game lands in Pennsylvania uh, for wildlife habitat management. Can you, can you kind of describe what a prescribed fire is? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so prescribed fire is lit by fire managers under certain weather conditions, which are, are uh, favorable for the spread of fire, but not gonna create fire that's very intense and, and become a threat. And those fires are used to reduce understory vegetation or kill some trees to open up the canopy to let more light in to create wildlife habitat. And uh, one of the potential benefits of that also is reducing tick populations. Um, I'm working with a a student right now uh, with some other faculty who was just out this summer looking at how uh, the abundance of ticks is related to past prescribed fire and they found that it, they were reduced in areas that they had burned recently. That's, uh, that's positive news for people who like to, uh, to go for walks out in the woods. And so I've seen the Smokey the Bear fire danger signs on road trips um, and things like that. Should we be taking those more seriously now? Because they, they have the grading on, on you know low, medium, high danger. Yeah. Um, Certainly people should be aware of what they're doing and how they could be igniting fires. But, uh, you know, Smokey the Bear sort of has a jade, a little bit of a, a concerning history in terms of suppressing fire over long periods of time. And that has actually changed conditions in some uh, situations so that they become more flammable because fuel accumulates. I mean, if, if you look back in the record of fire, over the last four or five centuries, and we've uh, people have done that using tree rings, fire was burning maybe every 10 or 15 years in, in quite a few of the forests in Pennsylvania. So uh, there wasn't as much fuel. The forests were quite different. So removing fire from a, a system that had some fire in the past uh, can potentially make it more flammable because there's more fuel. But certainly when it's dry, people should be more careful. So what's the what's the controversy with with Smokey? Can we not we can't trust him? Uh, you can't you can't trust him entirely <laughs> uh, because you know fire has been part of uh, Pennsylvania forest ecosystems for for millennia, and um, when you pull that out of the system, the system changes and in some cases can 
can come back to uh, to be a problem. Like in California, for example, which, which we see burning all the time on te the television, those fires are so much more severe because Smokey uh, was so effective at putting fires out through through the Forest Service that uh, fuel loads are two or three times greater. And so when fires occur, they move up into the forest canopy from the forest floor and they actually uh, kill the trees and then they can spread for miles. So it's kind of like an overcorrection. Correct. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Um, it's an overcorrection. Yeah, there's uh, the, the, the fires that used to burn uh, in the forest in Pennsylvania used to be ground fires with maybe flames that are a foot or two high. And they would just uh, kill the little baby trees and some shrubs, and that would keep the forest really open. And uh, when you take that away, those babies that were killed grow up to be full-grown trees. And so it becomes much denser and a much heavier kind of forest cover. And I think that I think that a lot of the message from from Smokey, well, I guess what good we can take, um, is really more for campers. You know, telling people not to kind of start fires because me as a camper, I probably can't put that out if it were to get out of control. Um, are there any parting tips? for fall campers or people enjoying the outdoors or homeowners even um, to help minimize the risk of wildfires? Yeah, I mean, if you're in a fire prone area uh, and, you're, and you're a homeowner, there's some simple things that you can do like putting uh, grates on your vents, for example, to prevent uh, embers from getting in them. Should there be a forest fire, you can make sure you have uh, a cleared area around your house. Sometimes that could be lawn, uh, or you, you might want to think about that, keeping that lawn green, but that'll keep fire from spreading into uh, into your area. Um, so just paying attention to that, because it, it certainly can happen. There was uh, quite a fire down in Gatlinburg, Tennessee, a couple of years ago that occurred in the winter when the leaves were off the trees under high wind conditions. And it, it burned into Gatlinburg and killed uh, quite a few people and burned down quite a few houses. And, you know, it was it was associated with this windy event, but they weren't thinking about those kind of things. And they, they could have been and it would have been useful. Alan, thank you so much for your work. Well, it's great talking with you, Morgan. Thank you. A little news before you go. If you've got a car, you may want to double check that the entire license plate is visible, including that strip along the bottom that says visitpa.com. You know, so if you have one of those great license plate frames that say, are you following Jesus this closely? You might have to take it off. It's terrible. Uh, that's because a state appellate court just ruled that police officers can stop drivers if any part of their plate is obscured. I thought we were trying to stop these kind of like ticky-tack stops, but whatever. Uh, the ruling stems from a case involving a traffic stop in Philly last year when an officer pulled over a car because the bottom strip was blocked. Critics say the decision could give police another excuse to stop drivers for a very small reason and worry about racial bias and who gets stopped. And if you love our city steps, you know, maybe you enjoyed our podcast episode with missteps. We've got some good news. Uh, Pittsburgh is getting $11.3 million from the federal government to invest in the Hill District. And that includes reconstructing the Chauncey Street City Steps. 
The money will also go toward rebuilding Center Avenue, upgrading other streets, and adding in new sidewalks. It comes from a grant focused on reinvesting in neighborhoods that were harmed by racist federal policies like redlining. That's all for today here on CityCast Pittsburgh. Don't take forest fire advice from a cartoon bear. I think that's what we've learned today. If you enjoyed the show, tell a friend, rate the show, leave us a review, subscribe to our morning newsletter. You know, we'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. So we'll see you then. Wild, wild and fire and put that together. That is like uh, kryptonite for a, a, a Pittsburgher. I can't say it at all. Okay. I want to say like wildfire. <laughs>